You're listening to Dig Into Tech, a podcast from MicroMind, where we explore current trends, discuss where the industry is heading, and discover how to make mining better. Hey everyone, Melissa Scott with you here today for episode three, Mining Through the Challenges of the Coronavirus. We wanted to do a deep dive into the impact of the coronavirus on the mining software industry and see what positives can be taken away. Joining me today is MicroMine's Chief Commercial Officer, Amboa Nanquet, Chief Operation Officer, Michael Lang, and Chief Executive Officer, Andrew Birch. So thank you all for having a chat with me today. And we're recording from afar in our homes. Firstly, let's set the scene for our listeners. So um, Andrew, can you tell me a little bit about where you are right now and how working from home has gone for you? Uh, hey there, uh, Melissa. Yes, yeah, so I'm um, working from home uh, here in Sydney. Uh, so I've been here for a few weeks now, and um, it's been it's been quite good. It's been interesting to uh, manage the business and interact with all the team members across all of Australia uh, and also all our regional offices around the world. And uh, we were really on the front foot about getting people to work from home. Um, you know, thinking about uh, team safety uh, and also about how that would go servicing our clients. And I have to say, I'm really surprised how well it has gone. And I think we're very fortunate that we had um, the IT systems uh, in place to do it. And uh, I think it's really uh, gone pretty smoothly, both for our team members and for our clients so far. And would you agree with that, Amboi, or have you faced something a little bit different with your department? Or So... As the Chief Commercial Officer, I'm privileged enough to lead um, the regions and to lead the HQ uh, sales and marketing team. So I'm exposed to many different um, types of reactions. Um, being from my home in Sydney today, um, I'm likely going to connect with four or five countries. And it's really interesting to see how everybody reacts. Um, I think we have a follow-up question on that down the track, possibly on you know, how its culture is reacting to the specific constraints. But overall, um, the whole team has reacted really superbly and, and very um, in a very upbeat way with the, the, the focus on still delivering to our customers and making sure that we are uh, keeping safe. So it's all very good and well, um, and it's really an interesting experiment um, at a very large scale for us as it is for the broader community. And personally, for you working from home, how have you found it? So having logged in around 450 hours of flight last year and having been jet lagged every single week um, from the second week of February to um, like the last week of December, including my holidays, um, being at home and being disturbed by the kids, my $3, and having the pleasure to be able to help my wife and see her around is an absolute privilege. It's great. I just love it. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to um, coming back to normal so the, because it could mean that the broader community is doing better. Uh, but I definitely, um, I'm, you know, um, I can see the positive personally into um, being around the family a bit more and being a bit less um, jet lagged all the time, which is great. <laughs> and for you, Mike? Yeah, so I'm, I'm down here in Perth. Um, yeah, look, it has been great. Um, you know, I've got a little four-year-old that, that runs around and joins meetings uh, when she feels like it, but just the flexibility to be able to connect to our global offices in a bit more friendly times and not really be um, too rigidly stuck to office hours is great. Um, finding the teams are adapting really well too. It's just um, communications are a lot more focused, a lot more streamlined, and um, 
yeah, it's, it's, it's been a good experience. As as Adwise said, really keen to get back to business as usual. But um, in the meantime, it's, it's working very well. And have you noticed a, like, a difference in productivity with your teams at all? This is for maybe Mike or Anwar working from home. Uh, yeah, from my point of view, I, I think a lot more focused. Um, you know, when when you're talking to someone, it's, it's about a specific issue. It's not just a corridor chat or a generic, let's do this, let's do that. And I, and I think we're seeing people be, you know, a lot more focused on Monday, we'll achieve this, on Tuesday, we'll achieve this, um, rather than just that general, let's catch up and talk about something. So, yeah, I think overall, um, we're getting a lot more well-defined outcomes internally. Okay, I would echo what Mike said. And working remotely means you have to put a greater emphasis on structuring the flow of information and making sure that accountability is clear. <clears throat> I think under AB's guidance and you know the, the board guidance regarding the way we want to manage the business, um, we have very, very clear accountability. So it's all about discipline enough to have your information flows well structured. And that's a natural discipline that you have to go in, you have to have in the business anyway. So the video conference is just a reflection of that and it has it forces you into improving a bit at times like mike is echoing because you can't really waste time over, over the video uh but it's also a very good you know fire testing of whether um your team is good your processes are good the routines are good and i think we hold our own very well on that front yeah the only thing i would add to that as well is um I think uh, initially when people were working from home and doing a lot of video conferencing, they thought, okay, there's a lot of things we can't do in the business that we used to do, and there's other things that we can. And I think the things that we used to do uh, can be a bit more efficient because you have to be focused as uh, as Ambrose and uh, Mike say. Uh, but I think at the start it was also about um, letting the team know, let's just get on with business as usual, and we can actually do nearly everything we used to do um, just remotely, and that turned out to be pretty true in the end. But there's always a little bit of hesitation at the start around what you can or what you can't do. So that was interesting, and I think the business overcame that um, pretty quickly. I would also say we're adapting to interfacing with our clients um, as well. Uh, the good news is most of our clients are in exactly the same position as we are, and they expect us to be interfacing with them online, and they're all working from home, and uh, and uh, and so we're all on the same level uh, playing field there, which I think has really helped. And I think going forward, it will kind of help us to do more business with people remotely on that basis, which will be more efficient for them and also more efficient for us. But it's all also making us innovate about how we do training, how we do on-site implementations and how we automate a few of those things. So so I think some areas are quite efficient and other areas, um, you know, we've learned to be uh, more efficient and we're still learning. That's it. I think it's really about finding new ways to connect with your customers and clients, um, which from what we've seen so far, we've been doing. I know, Mike, you've been uh, involved with the moving the training online uh, to get that up and running very quickly. Can you talk us through a little bit about what changes you've made there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've moved our traditional face-to-face -face classroom training online through remote sessions. And uh, look, just to touch on um, something Andrew said, we're all in the same situation, our clients and us. So, you know, the first one or two courses maybe weren't perfect and smooth. It took us one or two to get them right. But the the, the market, our client base has, has really, you know, been with us, embraced it there they're in uncertain times as well, and um, they've been appreciative of any efforts we can to keep business as usual happening. And uh, that's been really successful for us. 
what has been Micromind's main response to the recent COVID outbreak? What what kind of new things have you put in place to keep their positivity high in the market? I think, um, let me just start that and then I think uh, Ambrose and Mike have got a couple of great examples I want to cover and I won't steal their thunder because um, they've done some uh, really innovative things. Um, but I, I think when we um, we could we realised that the uh, the virus was going to be so impacting, um, uh, we really took a few quick steps and, the, you know, our whole, our whole philosophical approach is our team is number one. So our first step was to really protect our team. And so we really... Um, made sure we did that. We really closely followed travel restrictions. We really stopped attending conferences before it was popular to stop attending conferences and at first got a little bit of negative pushback uh, from the community about that, but then uh, soon after uh, we're kind of positively feedback that we're on the front foot there. And it was really all about the team because we didn't really want to put them in a, uh, an environment that was dangerous to them. Um, and I guess our second um, priority is really about the clients. And so... Um, as we saw things unfold and become more and more difficult, we really wanted to be on the front foot to work out how we could keep running the business and looking after the clients that we already have and still talking to prospective clients coming in. And so um, they were a couple of the key priorities um, that we had. And we thought if we did those things, business would look after itself uh, as a consequence. And so far that's been true. And so that's at a high level. That was our concepts. Um, and taking a few tough decisions on, you know, early travel bans, early conference bans, and really we had everyone working from home uh, before they had to in most uh, in most regional locations, and that was really about looking after the team uh, and the clients. And so, um, but then after that, we started to think, okay, well, what can we do now to enhance the situation? and really kind of change with the times and innovate. And um, I think there's a couple of great stories around marketing and a couple of great stories around uh, operations, but I'll, I'll let uh, Ambrose talk to the marketing one first, maybe. Sure. Um, so on, on marketing, on the marketing side, we've done multiple things. I think the most visible thing that we've done worldwide is the make the best of the downtime. April is on Micromind campaign, which was really designed around um, a lot of clients being and, and students and people in the broader mining community being held at home, um, having access to the data in many instances, but not always having the right license with them or because they didn't have that dongle, because they didn't have the right computers, blah, blah, blah. So we just said, okay, well, you know, this is about um, supporting the community here. Um, the lockdown is at least going to last until April. Let's make sure that everybody can make the best of the time at home with the data and so on. And we are going to extend a free license for any Micromind combination of features, even the world inclusive of everything from our early core and exploration targeting all the way down to our scheduling in mining um, for absolutely free. You just have to register with us and we'll send you a license in a matter of minutes, most of the time. And we had an amazing response, like completely amazing. Um, I'm not going to give official numbers um, because of confidential issues, but it's multiple thousands of people have requested, I've downloaded and I've used Micromind. And we now have a follow-up because this is really, really successful. And we just ask people, you know, if you can just do a quick testimonial on video and tell us um, how that helped you, then you're going to get May free. It's like two months free um, for Micromind, which is um, a really extremely good value um, software, but it's still, you know, significant um, money to, to, to spend to access it. Uh, for people to use the best of the time. 
We also, um, that's, that's for the direct impact of the lockdown. There's also kind of the indirect impact for our users and our, um, our customers, which is for instance, the foreign exchange volatility, right? So without going into too many details, you may have noticed that the currency rates are changing a lot these days. And this has impacted our clients in Russia. That's, this has impacted our clients in um, Kazakhstan and in, in other countries. So we've extended commercial offers, whereas we are actually taking the risk of the currency, the currency foreign exchange um, volatility. So our customers can buy um, in all confidence and know exactly what price they're going to get in their local currency. Uh, we have also extended offers, um, um, you know, to simplify renewal of our annual licenses and subscription. Um, and lastly, um, because the world doesn't stop just because of the of the lockdown, uh, we are making sure our customers will have access to the latest software technologies by releasing the new Micromind 20.5 in roughly a month's time. Um, and soon after that, we're going to have the next big release of our Petran mine operation software. So a lot of things, um, you know, on coping with the lockdown, making sure people are not impacted by financial conditions, and also making sure people can stay productive by having the best products. Um, and I think it's been like the market reaction has been amazing. We've been extremely pleased uh, by the way people have received that. I've been very grateful and, and we are very, very grateful to them. And it's uh, it's definitely booked out your training from what I've seen as well, Mike. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, following on from those initiatives Amboise mentioned, um, yeah, we've, we've worked really hard to not only move our training online, but really, really get a lot more throughput. Uh, we've mobilised our global team of trainers. Obviously, you move online, you don't need to be in the same geographical location. So, you know, we have guys in Perth running training courses through North America at weird times of the day and things like that. So the, the training team's done a really good job at opening up those seats, um, getting a good mix of current users of Micromind, but also those that are, that are trying it maybe for the first or second time. So... We're trying to get as much um, education around our products out there. And I guess the second thing I'll mention, look, we still continue to service our Geobank and Pitram clients. These are these are clients that normally we would fly to a mine site and visit. But we found that the remote coaching, the remote configuration of the software and the remote health checks are, are, are working really well, to be honest. Um, there's, there's a good lesson there for us. So, yep. And a great opportunity for clients to really dive deep into parts of the software that maybe they haven't used before and reach out and ask questions and start new projects that they've been sort of delaying. Now they have opportunity and time to do. On that, a quick comment, which is, um, you know, kudos to to Mike's team on that front, is when we launched subscription in Australia and now also in uh, the US and Canada and in Indonesia, in Europe and in the world of Africa, um, we have had the, the operation team uh, move on to free training. Like, you know, it's about you get access to our experts or training when you go at the time on site or now when you go on schedule training for absolutely free. And the reason is exactly what you said, that amazing wealth of and richness of features that we have in our, in our software. Uh, don't be shy. You need to be trained on it. There's a lot there. Uh, it's only going to make you more efficient. And the way we, we think about it, it's actually almost like we're offering you new products because there's so many things here that, that you, you don't always realize it's right there. And there's a super neat and easy to access UI interface, uh, UI um, from Micromind. So talk to Mike's team, get exposed to their knowledge, get exposed to the technique. Uh, it's almost like you get free software for one when you when you get more training on, on Micromind, Showbank, and Ptram. Yeah. 
in terms of the COVID-19 outbreak, how do you think the mining software industry has fared in comparison to other industries? Well, I think um, so far, um, so good. And so you can see that uh, the, the mining industry, um, there's been different uh, headwinds there, and we're definitely seeing a few headwinds, but it's really about logistics and uh, people's availability to do things. Uh, but I think software's got an important role to play there, and uh, even more important, I guess, uh, as we think about all that, about making um, making different people's businesses more efficient. That's all our software does. It really helps them help help themselves make their businesses uh, run better. And so I think when uh, pressure comes to bear and, you know, um, economics tighten up a little bit, uh, it's a great opportunity for the software uh, sector to help businesses become more efficient and run their businesses more efficiently. And so um, uh, so I, I think that's the business that we're in. Um, certainly some of our clients have had to uh, slow down some of their projects or some of their activities for different reasons. And uh, hopefully we've been able to help a little bit with, uh, with that. Uh, but I think uh, the, the software um, industry servicing uh, the mining industry is super important. And as we look forward, I think we'll become more and more important um, just because efficiency is, is so important uh, to our clients. Yeah, and just, um, I think what, what we've seen too, that as a technology sector, we've probably fared a fair, fair bit better than some sectors, to be honest. There's always been a, a remote, ac uh, remote aspect to um, software service delivery in the mining industry. And I think this has just exacerbated it a little bit, proven it can work. Um, obviously, there are some challenges and um, some of our colleagues in the mining tech se sector are more exposed to on-site presence than we are. But um, I, I think we're faring pretty well with the remote environment. And just to add to that, Mike, I think that's a good point to make. Um, like some of our clients have got sites in extreme remote and sometimes dangerous areas. And uh, the more we can do remotely, the more efficient we can make for it to do it remotely, uh, the safer it is uh, for their people in their business um, and all those people involved. And uh, uh, I think that's a, a good attribute uh, and something to build on going forward. I totally agree with you. Yeah, that's, that's really the, the way I see the, you know, the two key responsibilities of mining and the, the, the companies that are servicing mining just like we are. It's the safety first. You know, mining is a, is a dangerous business if you don't do it well. And, and safety is really important and the mining software and the software companies um, supplying mining companies are really helping with that safety. For instance, in our PTRAM offering, um, we have that specific offering where you can track people and you can track the, the, the vehicles and so on, so you know where they are um, and if they are in a dangerous zone and so on. I think it's really important and that's one key responsibility. The other one is um, mining in general and, and software supplying mining is it's really responsible for growth and prosperity. Like everything we do, um, at the roots of it, um, um, there will be a mine somewhere providing the base metal, the base material, uh, et cetera, and making sure that we keep operating efficiently and we keep, you know, supplying the word um, with the right metal and, and inputs is, is important for prosperity, which is important for everybody's happiness overall. So I think um, we have these responsibilities and it's about making sure that we continue serving everybody. And in that context, um, the fact that the mining industry and the, the suppliers to the mining industry uh, especially the software when are, are you know acting responsibly and are acting in a way that makes sure that safety is here and continuity of business is here. I think it's a, it's a really good sign of the maturity of the overall um, ecosystem. So 
if we haven't been the the worst industry impacted, what are some of the main challenges that our industry specifically has faced? Do you think connectivity is an issue due to some of the locations being remote? Or can can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so well, what we've seen um, is like uh, different aspects. I think, um, I think uh, some constraints that have come up uh, in the sector have been either access constraints, like where people have had to uh, protect their employees and not have people on sites and not have people participating where normally they would have in uh, um, critical functions. And so they've had to, um, you know, slow down uh, their work on that basis. Um, I think, uh, obviously, travel constraints that we've all seen. People um, can't, um, you know, travel as freely as they used to, which has been important about getting the right expertise to the right location and carrying out some work. So that's where technology has been able to help a bit, but certainly hasn't solved um, uh, all of those problems. And also there's some economic constraints coming in. You know, people um, are starting to think ahead, okay, well, what, what does the outlook look like? If the whole supply supply chain closes down for three or six months, does that mean demand is lower? So does that mean we should cut back on our economic expansion and, you know, close things down for a little while? And so you've got some of those logistics issues and you've got some of those economic issues kicking in. I would say, um, as we mentioned earlier, We've been very lucky in the mining industry um, that that production um, has has really been pretty good because um, we've seen in hospitality and retail that it's really just crashed. And so, um, uh, but we definitely have seen some clients taking decisions about capital expenditure. Um, also, I think um, uh, the economics of uh, exploration has you know kind of come under pressure as well. So, uh, so there's some of the constraints we've seen uh, come up because of it very directly. Um, uh, once again, I think the sector will move past that reasonably quickly, but who knows? You know, we, we don't know what we don't know. And if there's one thing we've learned about this whole situation, it's how quickly things can change and how you need to be on your toes and really paying attention. And would anyone else like to add to that? AB covered it pretty well. <laughs> yeah, Based on those challenges and the whole experience, what do you believe are the positives that we can take away from the situation? Oh, there's plenty of positives. <laughs> Come on, that's like it's the you have to stay a bit. Like you have to stay a bit. You know, I, I'm I'm in sales, and as Abby mentioned, Andrew mentioned to me once, there's no such thing as a uh, balanced salesperson. You're always too optimistic or too pessimistic. Um, I will choose to be too optimistic. So um, situation is complicated at the moment, um, but the positives in regards to, um, first of all, re-questioning the status quo and how we do stuff. And that's always exciting. You know, just how you do things and making sure that you are uh, re-questioning is, um, and trying to find more optimal, safer, uh, more efficient ways to do to do what you were doing before. I think internally that's really amazing, and you see the same excitement with the clients, right? And I really believe that in terms of if I want to think a bit, there's been conversations and a lot of actions about digitization of mining and the mining overall industry for many years, and we are key players in that trend. There's still a very long journey to go on that. And I really believe that what's happening now is going to be an accelerator of that digitization and the importance of software 
uh, is is going to just increase. There was that Mark Anderson, you know, the VC from Silicon Valley quote about software is eating the world. That was 20 years ago. It still hasn't eaten enough of mining to my taste for mining to be safer, more responsible and more climate conscious. And I think, you know, it's just going to accelerate, which is really exciting. I just to echo that um, the positives for me internally within within Micromine, just the the way the teams have adapted to the new situation. I mean, we as the as the virus situation was unfolding, I know our HR teams, IT teams, all the all the management were putting contingencies in place. You know, how how is the company going to adapt to this? And it it really just was like flicking a switch in most cases. Um, people just moved home, they got on with business, and um, it seems to be working really really well. Um, Externally, agree with a lot of the stuff Ambuaz was saying, well, all of it. Um, but uh, just to highlight what we said in the past, look, remote delivery can work. Um, we really, we really are pretty close to business as usual with a lot of our our service delivery and support and things like that. And um, that's that's a really strong positive for us as a global company. And then my, my take is uh, more a macro one. I think change always makes opportunity, and just you know. I think what is it? Innovation um, is um, is created because of the necessity, you know. And um, I think um, I think you can see there's massive change going on around the world all at once, and uh, people are just having to do things differently, uh, you know, innovate what they're doing and look at different ways through it. Sometimes it's very high pressure change. Sometimes it's great opportunity, but you always got to find your way through it and look for you know the light about okay, how can we do it better and and what. What can we take out of the situation? And so, um, so I think uh, you know you can see the whole world trying to do that and work, work things out, and they're quite aligned. And then even down to our day to day, you can see us and our clients and everyone are very aligned about the constraints we have to work with. And so we're all innovating and looking for ways through that uh, together because uh, we're all in the same uh, in the same boat. And so uh, I, I think that massive change at any level just uh, creates opportunity. It's really about being. As Ambrose says, like uh, positive around that, and uh, you know, trying to trying to just run with it. And so, before I close with my final question, I just want to touch on. Obviously, Micromine is a global business, um, and I'd be interested to hear from all of you, since you all deal with uh, different regions, how the experience has been across cultures. Maybe I'll start with that. Um. So. I, I think to, to I think it's a narrative. Like if you think of the narrative, what actually happened, and ABA Andrew mentioned it initially, is we we started by cancelling our participation to PDAC, PTAC, uh, so Prospector and Developer Association of Canada, and the convention, which is the single biggest event um, in North America regarding um, mining, uh, especially exploration. And at the time, we were significantly ahead of the curve and there was a lot of pushback including from the, the team and the client on what what are you guys doing this is like um it is you know the classic it is it is the flu um, and it's, it's okay um we should we cannot not attend that convention with forty thousand people coming from 132 countries and so the reaction was really interesting because so in a way for us the north american market was the first one to react to to that and initially it was, uh, hey, what about business? And then realizing how much we're serious about our values of you know, um, team first, client advocacy, outcomes and growth. And, and really um, then, then the reaction was extremely 
um, grateful in a way that we are serious about the team and the client and the broader community, not putting people in danger to the point that we can take business risk. Yeah, obviously, if you don't, not willing to take risk, you're not serious. Um, then, then we could follow the spread around the countries, and I've got you know um, more than weekly calls with all my regional leads. Um, in Europe, um, it went pretty pretty bad pretty quickly, as we all know, um, and the reaction was um, quite um, scary. Um, and then it spread around, and um, we got um, also early signs of what could work and what could not work in the countries. With Mongolia, for instance, which was one of the very first countries like Australia to go into lockdown from the outside because of their exposure to China, and them um, actually controlling really well the spread and the, the, the team being relatively relaxed, working from home and not being too concerned about, about the spread, um, and, and the clients still operating like that. And then I think we are reaching a bit the tail end where we have some countries we are now experiencing the, the you know steep increase in cases and death and so on like Russia, where our team is safe at home, working from home um, for the most of it. And the, it's, it's, uh, Russia is sometimes a bit more uh, risk prone than maybe North America, right? So you can see the way the Russian team is like, um, we initially had to convince them a bit that, you know, you, you, don't, you don't go to conventions. It's not a good idea. We understand the risk of the commercial and so on. And it's also, we, we're such an important player in many of those markets that not going to somewhere convention especially in russia is a is a big deal it's a it's a, it's a market signal um so that this wide range of reaction from early pushback to you know a bit like peak of, of fear in some instances because of the, the the quick changes in europe and north america um to um you know progressive realization of what's coming like in russia and and people that have been on the front foot like Mongolia and people that just like us traveling okay in South Africa and in Indonesia. Um, it, it, is, it was really interesting and, and I feel really privileged that all my regional leaders and I've been able to, to manage the teams and put the safety first but ensure the business continuity. And um, I do not wish for that to continue for a long time, but overall I'm, I'm very proud that we've made a positive for our team uh, and for our clients uh, during that period. Yeah, so from my perspective, I think that's uh, uh, all been interesting to watch, as Ambrose says. And um, I think uh, from my perspective, you know, you've got a lot of different regions with a lot of different uh, regulators and governments and also a lot of different cultures uh, across the regions. And so they are all managed differently. Um, a place like Mongolia can just wake up one day and say, listen, we are just closed. Um, and they just tell all their citizens uh, not to come to work and uh, they just um, they're very uh, autocratic around that uh, which might be good in this uh, in this circumstance but uh, one underlying theme that I'm uh, very happy with um, uh, with our teams uh, which is really a flow on um, from I guess Ambrose's discussion is they're all very focused about looking after their teams and they're very focused about looking after their clients and getting on with business and so that's a common theme which is great and then you've got all these different regulators and cultures to navigate through that uh, but at the end of the day they're probably the two most important things that have come through which is really what we pride ourselves on in the business which we've been pretty pleased to see I think. We're just going to finish off with a final question and essentially it's, it's what does the future hold? What do you think, it's a wild guess really, um, what the industry holds for us post-COVID-19? What does it look like? So from my perspective, just to jump in first, I think, um, I think mining and what mining does is extremely important to um, the world. You know, it 
provides all the materials that people, um, you know, require for the different things they're doing uh, in all walks of life. And so it's important. It's important to the economics of a lot of countries, like mining is usually a, a key generator of employment and wealth uh, for different countries and sometimes their main their main wealth. And so um, I think uh, I think it will be uh, as strong as ever. We might have learned a few things about um, how to work a bit more efficiently um, and uh, hopefully a little bit more about safety and looking after uh, teams and, and how we go about our business through uh, through a bit more automation. Um, but I, I think it's a very bright future um, and uh, and hopefully we can just kind of contribute to that as, as more time goes by. Yeah, look, I, I, I do see this as a, a blip, maybe an elongated blip. But um, as as Andrew said, I think I think the mining industry has, you know, maintained its its strengths well through this. I, I think it will come back to um, normal levels, not that it's dropped off too much. And look internally, uh, equally, I don't think I think we've learned some lessons. I think as we've been saying, we've learned that remote delivery can work. Um, we've added some options to to how we how we do business, but I'm I'm not seeing life being a lot different in six months, to be honest. I do believe we'll primarily be back back at our desk in the office and um, visiting clients and things like that. We, we've just expanded our capabilities a little bit, I guess. Yeah, I'm 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 not going to venture in um, forecasting, um, but I would just reiterate that I'm pretty optimistic. But what's coming? You know, we always feel that this time is different. Uh, it's not very different always. There's always a, you know, commonalities. I really hope that, um, Mike is right saying the six month time frame for recovery. Um, we'll see probably going to depend by countries and, and so on, but it's, um, it is, it's a tough time for a lot of people. Um, and we share that all individually with, uh, within our families and so on, but it's, it, it's all about, you know, keeping going, looking for the, for the future and just making it better for everyone in a responsible way. And, and, you know, I think that's really what we are aiming at and very proud of being part of. I think we definitely need to be wary about timeframes because, like, uh, we would like it to be six months or less, but you never know what the, the global economic, uh, you know, situation is going to look like. And so we just need to, as I said earlier, yeah, just be ready and, uh, and just respond as things go by uh, and for whatever time period it takes. Yeah, great. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for joining us today. Um, and I guess if people want to take advantage of any of the recent things we've discussed, like the training, um, getting on the test video testimonial, they can visit our website, jump on and have a look at that and just keep up to date with us um, on all our social media channels um, just to see what we're doing. And um, I really hope that Mike is right in this, that this will all be over in six months, but we never know. Um, that was a highly so we'll scientific doing... number, by the way. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we, we, should, yeah. we should all vote for Mike. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to Michael Mind's Dig Into Tech podcast. You can subscribe or listen to more episodes on any podcast app or head to www.michaelmind.com slash podcasts. We can also be found on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, or you can email us at marketing at See you next time.